Hello, welcome back to our Three Gens Theology Studio uh, here as we record another day of, of uh, theology proper. Looking forward to talking about uh, who the Lord is with you, not so we can have more information, although that's what we'll have, but uh, more so so that we can know him better and to grow in that relationship with him, how good that is. Uh, glad to be with you today and hope that you're um, growing in your walk with the Lord. And we want to be a help as we come alongside and, and share about these truths of the scriptures. And so we would love to hear from you about that as well. Um, my email is pd at crossbridgeindy.com. Feel free to email me or you could uh, comment on uh, some of the podcast sites there. Love to hear that from you. All right, uh, Jim, why don't you lead us in prayer and then you can get going. All right, let's do that. Father, we come before you now, realizing we are bowing before Almighty God. We had uh, in our lives before knowing you, no hope, no God, no place in, uh, in your family. And now we are placed into your family through what Jesus Christ, your son, did for us. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit who guides us through these studies together. And we pray that uh, you'll give us the blessing of your guidance today. Give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, as we talk about you to remember that nothing that we say can be fully, adequately clear uh, to tell the whole story of who you are. And so we just pray that as we walk along the edges of the greatness of our God, that the things that we say and do will be pleasing to you and helpful for all of us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. We really need to talk about one, one minor thing, but one thing that we don't discuss too much, and that's something about our, our principles, the kinds of things that we're trying to do. And it seems like we're trying to accomplish two seemingly contradictory uh, results in three gens theology. Um, for one thing, we want to help you move from uh, being uncomfortable about talking about God to being very comfortable about talking uh, concerning him and the elements of your faith. Sadly, far too many Christians are just not capable uh, when they're questioned, when there is a situation that comes up where they have to defend their faith, of actually describing the details of what they believe. And so we're concerned about the details. Sometimes we keep pushing back to those and avoiding some of the generalities and the, the uh, common oversimplifications that we find in talking about God and about the other elements of our faith. But second, we want to give you the, the ability to answer the questions that others have. Not only your questions that you yourselves are dealing with as we go through these subjects, but the questions that others around you have, your peers, as they are wondering um, about basic questions that we want you to be able to, uh, to answer and to answer wisely. Uh, that would require a kind of simplicity and clarity that uh, is necessary as well. So on the one hand, we have the, 
the complications, the details that we need to have. And on the other hand, we have the simplicities, the, the ability to explain simply the things that we know. And so we want to try to help you in your walk with the Lord to come to the place where you have that greater knowledge, where you have something to fall back on that is a richer, fuller explanation, and yet at the same time have the ability to answer the questions of others and, and find your own answers in the Word of God to issues that are of great concern every day in your life. If you can please our Lord through combining the details of Bible doctrine with wise living as disciples of Jesus Christ, you'll be prepared to glorify God throughout your walk. There's so much um, of an attack on the scriptures and whether there's a God and uh, all of this within our culture. Um, as any believer needs to be uh, well-founded in what they believe Amen. because it's under attack all the time. Yeah. It's not like Satan hasn't ever not been our enemy. Right. Um, but uh, in our culture, it's it's uh, quite prevalent um, to, to deny that there is a God, to deny that um, if there is a God, that he's the God of the Bible and all these things. And so to be founded in those is really important for every believer. But then as you... Think about what you were saying about being able to share it with others. The, the thought of a, of a teacher came to mind, that if you've ever taught someone any subject, what needs to be true is that you're comfortable with the material mm -hmm. <laughs> so that you can teach whatever level of teaching to the student, to exactly. the one who's learning. And uh, so I think a lot of church people think, great, I'm, I don't teach. I'm comfortable with what I know, and, uh, and I'm good. But the Lord has called every one of us to be disciple makers. That's right. Not just the woes who stand behind a pulpit, not just those who go to another, another nation to share the, the word, but every single believer to be a disciple maker. And so in doing that, it calls all of us to be deeper in our understanding um, than the, the people that we're talking to yes. so that we can communicate with them at their level. That's right. And so I think that teacher being prepared thought is always helpful for me because as we communicate with others, it's that idea that yeah. we need to be ready to uh, say what's true about the scriptures. I think that's, um, that's what I've talked about as I've looked at uh, my generation and younger is, you know, we, I think there's a, I think with the rise of technology, there's a base level of knowledge that is easily accessible. Mm -hmm. Not that, uh, not that there wasn't, not that we're, we've come up with anything new, but that uh, there's there can be less of a sheltering in you know church communities or in whatever community you're being brought up in. You're, uh, you know, for for me, I grew up in you know in a, in a pastor's house, so of course I grew up a Christian, right? I mean that's because that's where I grew up, but. Um, you know, now as it starts to become my own faith, that's, that's one thing, but I think there's a, been a question of, uh, kind of a more of like, why just the, the basic question of why, why should I believe this? Why, you know, why, why do I believe this over that? And, um, and I think generally, gen generationally, that's almost been asked differently somehow, I, I, but I've, I've kind of seen that and that's, and I feel like we as believers have done such a bad job of 
having an answer why. Well, you know, God created everything. Well, why? Well, well, because he because he did. Well, I mean, that's that's what we that's what we learn in church, right? And so, so so often our responses to even the basic questions, I think, is a can be a a turnoff to to those that were that were uh, that we're witnessing to, right? Not having answers to basic questions, right. not not understanding, right. not understanding what the even the base level of Christianity is can can be a a major damage to, to what we're to in the witnessing process uh, with those around us, whether that be unbelievers, that whether that be the generation below us, you know, what, whatever that that may be, and so um, you know, that that's even as we as we look at this teaching, the fact. As we walk through it, we're hoping that we give you a grounding that you don't feel like you're, you know, you need to come out of, you need to, uh, you know, pull something out of the air to try to come back to this crazy question, but that you would be grounded and, and would have an answer, would have a response to, uh, to questions about Christianity. Mm-hmm. You might think of it as sort of, a, uh, of an issue of two wells. Uh, on the one hand, you have the deep well of Scripture. And that is a well that we need to drink from liberally. We need to have that well available within us from which we can present God's truth. But then there's another well, and that's that deep well of generally available knowledge through the Internet, through Google, through all the different sources that we might go to. That, net, that well is, is rich with information, but it's also poisoned in the sense that there is no guarantee that what you're going to get from that well is going to be truth. And so with a lot of falsehood coming out along with a lot of very good information, people become emboldened in their position of opposition to Christianity. And yet, um, (laughs) a book written not so long ago that was entitled, Do We Need to Prove the Existence of God? Um, just by its title reminds us of the fact that God is there whether people want to believe in him or not. Uh, He created all of this. The dynamic force behind everything here is, is God. And so if the more we know about him, the better we're able to present him to answer, as Sai said, those questions that come to people who want to stand up and say, I don't believe in God and here's the reason why but their reasoning may not be any better than the worst reasoning that we can use in supporting our belief. But how much better for us to have a good deep well of information from which to draw. And then, as you said, Dan, to be able to bring it to the level of the individual we're talking to. Right. So that's one thing that in our, in our podcast, that's what we're seeking to do. We're seeking to teach, um, as you were saying, returning to the details, um, but also meet people where they are mm-hmm. um, in communicating. I think we, as I've talked, we have a whole spectrum, but I think we have two basic types in the church. Um, we have the type that thinks they can't understand doctrine or doesn't care to go any deeper than they are, and we have the type that that drinks it up and that's all they do and but sometimes it becomes just academic mm-hmm. and so we don't want either of those right. sides <laughs> right. to be w- the way it is uh, it's fine to be a baby Christian 
but yes. it's not fine to stay a baby Christian. Right. Right. And so right. we need to grow in our understanding of who God is and what He's done um, for our own strength, for our own relationship with Him, and then also to share it with others. Um, but we don't just learn it for the information and to show how smart we are. Right. Right. We right. we learn it for relationship and for helping others and those things. So I think um, we we err in general church people. I think we err on either either side of that. That people just kind of oh no oh, doctrine oh you know I don't need that. But it's truth from the scripture. We it do is. we do need it. Yes. And I think I think churches have gone kind of those ways as well. I think some churches have become much more um, academic and cold, <laughs> or they have become so feelings-oriented that eh, the truth is it's there, but it's not that important, and it's how I feel about God that's important. And I think both of those extremes are really dangerous uh, for the church in general. And so we need, uh, we need both uh, to come together of understanding people are growing at whatever pace they're growing, but need to be growing. Um, yes. and then, but, but also uh, that it's about a relationship uh, with, with the Lord, as I've said, just a, few, just a few times. And hopefully uh, our relationship with the Lord can only be strengthened by the time that we're spending with these more specific teachings of the Word. And then I, I think they're just difference in people. Like I, I think in general you're a more academic person than I am, and I'm possibly more pragmatic. I don't know the, I don't know the right word. I don't know the right word there, I'm, but I'm different. We're different from from one right. another, right? right. Uh, we have basically the exact same beliefs. As we talk about doctrines, we come very close to one another right. on, at, at several levels, you know. Um, but we do come at it differently. Sure. And so, and so there are differences in people, but um, we have to be careful of what our nature would push us to uh, right. to to do. So anyway, so that's a that's something actually where this kind of this whole conversation comes from actually is a lot of of that was Grandpa and I last week were talking about, you know, it's it's hard as we walk through the different attributes of God that, you know, as you talk about the immensity of God. Right. It's hard to then not talk about the eternality or the, uh, you know, or, or other attributes. And so it's hard not to start to meld some of those attributes right. of God. Um, and and so we were talking about how it's it's been fun. Dad, you just mentioned that we're different. It's been fun kind of between the three of us. There's times where, you know, one of us is working is working. Generally, Grandpa's working really, really hard to make sure that we keep these things separate so that as we look at the theology of what we're talking about that you know we understand like okay th- these two things they're very similar but they are not the same thing mm-hmm. um, but then also we as we kind of walk through the understanding of who God is I think it's important also as we walk through it and we see things differently that we we do kind of meld those as we as we understand that God isn't just one thing but he's a but he is he physically is all of these things yes. right um, and so yes. You know, as we kind of walk through who God is, that, that, that was that's kind of where this conversation came out of. Was that it's hard to it's hard to separate, and we want to separate. But at the same time, we want, as you are listening through this and you're thinking about, it, we want you to fall in love with everything that God is, and to Amen. understand right. all of these things, and and try to grasp just the little bit of that that we can as as humanity, right? And so it's kind of been fun, 
all three of us, as we see who God is differently, we get to kind of share of, you know, this is, this is something that I've seen of who God is. And, and I love this piece. And, uh, you know, it's, it, that's kind of been a fun, a fun view of how each of us have see God differently and, and perceive all the different attributes of who God is there. Well, since we're talking about attributes, <laughs> that was a good segue, Cy. Um, let's think for a moment about what we mean when we say attribute or you know, the verb attribute. When we talk about attributing something to someone, that basically means that we are, um, especially in religious terms, that means that in human, from human perspective, we're trying to find a certain quality or a characteristic that's in something. I would uh, uh, attribute uh, to Dan the a, a deep love for sports. Okay, sure. so he is he is a sportsman. I would attribute that to him. But the thing that is important for us to keep in mind is that although human attributions giving people attributes is a common thing that we do. When it comes to God, we're talking about not just things that we attribute to him, but things that he's taught us are true Mm -hmm. of him. And as a result of that, another term that we could use would be perfections, the perfections of God. He doesn't, he is not this way because we've decided he should be. This is not like the ancient Greeks and Romans where they would make God after man, but rather we are learning from the word of God what God is really like as he's revealed himself. And that's why we spend the time going through the scriptures to back up the, past, the, the teachings that we do in this area. A couple things that we want to keep in mind. Number one, no attribute is the basis of another attribute. This is sort of going back to what you said, Sai. When we do look at all of the attributes of God, the wonderful thing is that whether we're talking about his attributes, the characteristics of his nature, the characteristics of his essence, we can break all of these things down and talk about them in detail. But the picture must come back again to the fullness of who God is. And yet in the process of, of seeing the whole picture, one thing we've got to recognize is that one attribute is not the foundation for another any more than the fact that I can speak is the foundation for the fact that I can walk. They're, they're two different functions. They're both important. Uh, it reminds us of, uh, of Paul's comments concerning uh, the Corinthians, you know, that uh, we're not all noses and we're not all ears and we're not all feet. Each one of those has its own particular function within the body. And similarly, all the attributes have their own part in who God is, but they don't all come out of another attribute. The other thing that we've got to keep a close eye on, and this I think is is really exciting, is that Anything that is a true attribute of God was true in eternity past before God ever created the heavens and the earth. This is so vital for us to keep in mind because we're going to be thinking of a couple of things that are very clearly characteristics of God that are not attributes in that sense. 
an example of that would be grace. Did God ever have to be gracious to himself? Another would be mercy. Did God ever have to be merciful to himself? And of course, in eternity past, neither of those actions were necessary. But we do see them as characteristics of God's love. Mm -hmm. His love in action within his creation has brought about the presence of both his grace and his mercy to his created beings where he never had to express those things in regard to himself in eternity past. So that'll help us a little bit as we think about the attributes to uh, remember that no one attribute is the source of others and also that anything that is a true attribute of God existed before there was ever the heavens and the earth. And then, but some of them that are like you were saying, speaking and walking, they're completely separate that could operate at the same time, but they're still separate. Mm -hmm. But then others are overlapping. I don't know the right word to say, but there's, there's times where you see both of them. They're all true all the time, but, but you you see them, you see them um, overlapping. And Um, God's, God's grace and his love. Right. But grace isn't an attribute. So, Oh yeah. Right. So, but like, um, I was just making sure you're on your toes. We're going to get to like uh, righteous goodness, truth. Yes. I mean, there's, they're very similar and impact how he would act similarly in a situation. Yes. Right. So, and we uh, can go to the other side, Dan, and also say that there seems to be a warfare going on within God. Right. When you look at God's justice and you look at God's love at the same time, right. you think how in the world could a just God have ever forgiven us of our sins? Yeah. And right. the answer is God's love. So it almost seems like there's a battle. Going. Right. But it's not a battle. And that's the beautiful thing. Right. Only God could be such a being as to be able to be both righteous and at the same time loving. Yeah. And forgiving. Yeah. Well, I mean, any t- any parent that has that has uh, had consequences for their kid for doing wrong, uh, a good parent has times where there's consequences, but it's not because of hate. That's right. Right. It's because of love, and so there's mm-hmm. the seemingly contradictory times where discipline is um, is good. Yes. Right. Discipline is is good. So uh, I think it's that way. Uh, We see it on a lower level. Uh, Is this a good place to touch on communicable and non-communicable? Can you walk through that a bit? Uh, We're going to talk about this as we walk through the attributes that uh, in some cases, the attributes of God are never said to be given to us as humans communicated to us, if, you, if you'd like to put it that way, so that God expects us to have that same attribute. What would be an example of an attribute that we could not have? Omnipotence. Omnipotence. We could never be omnipotent. But there are also attributes like love and even surprisingly holiness that God demands of us. And so we call those communicable attributes. In other words, God can communicate those to us as human beings, where the, uh, the other attributes that are non-communicable, 
those attributes uh, are strictly true of God and could never be true of us. So that communicable word is just a strange one. Once you know what it means, it's all right. But it's a strange one because it's not actually that he's communicating them to us. It's that we would share them in some way. Yes. Right? We would share them in yep. some way. And so it's in a, in a, in a, I, more, in a simpler word, shared and non-shared would be an understanding of what is meant by those categories of communicable and yes. non-communicable. Yes. I always thought about communion as the as the base i don't i don't know why communicate was never what i thought of there but that communion almost has that same idea of sharing sharing right well the interesting thing is that all of those words are based on the same greek words that that makes (laughs) it fun (laughs) so those two are those are i want to talk about those because they're in talking about doctrines those are commonly used categories Mm mm-hmm um, two things about that. You want to know. You don't want to be caught off guard and get lost in some term that is out there. So those those are two, those are two categories. Two, two things about that. One is it's hard to categorize any of this because yes. it's it's amazing. I mean, right? right? So it's it, it, we're just trying. Theologians in the past, and we're following from that, have just trying to to classify. Some of these attributes. That's that's what that is. But then I heard I heard a guy talk about how that he doesn't think there's communicable and non-communicable. That the difference between my power and his power, and my knowledge and his knowledge, is the same difference between my love and his love, mm. and my my holiness and his holiness. Yes. And so I really I just love that 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 picture i can understand um pretty more clearly i think the limitation of my power mm-hmm. compared to the one who created yes everything yes. right there's a there's a gap there but there is a gap there in holiness oh my yes right there's a gap there and so i just i, I like that i don't i don't need to throw away communicable and non-communicable i don't i don't, I don't care to but i do mm-hmm. like that thought that even the things that we share in God's attributes with the way that we are called to be or the way that we are, were created um, still are short. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> you know? yes. And so I love that picture of, of, of the idea of there not really being those classifications because that difference in power is the same difference in righteousness and, yes. right, and goodness. And I, just, I thought that was a really good... Uh, elevating picture of who God is. That is good. And we'll talk about that as we get to each attribute. We'll talk about the way in which, though that might be an attribute that if, for example, when God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Mm -hmm. If you think about that command, the command is to be holy like God is holy, but that doesn't mean that I am God and thus yeah. can be as holy as God is. Yeah. That's the issue that you're dealing right. with. Husbands, love there. your wives as Christ loved the church. It's like, yes. well, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble, you know? That's right. Um, and so there is that, uh, that difference. And that's where uh, really thinking through some of these attributes can be something that drives us, not to just be able to write down list of attributes of God, but to really elevate who he is in our view. 
right. uh, so that we can be like Isaiah, seeing the Lord lofty and exalted. High and lifted up. You know, yes. and so uh, bringing us to our to say, what was me, and then giving him glory. So uh, I think that's, uh, that's so good. Um, I, I don't know. I think we're about 10 minutes ahead of that because I stopped it. So... We're getting close. Do you know what time we're, we're at, at? We're at 28. 28, okay. okay. Well, we should be you able think to we'll get into get God's in omniscience Great. at least. Okay. Let's begin with God's omniscience. This is a wonderful place to begin because this, again, is one of those attributes that in no way could be called communicable. Hmm. God cannot, will not make us omniscient like he is. Right. Um, it's interesting to think that when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the temptation that was given uh, was to know, to be wise, mm-hmm. to have wisdom, to be like God, that that was the temptation that was given at that time. And yet no human at no time in the history of humanity has ever come close to the knowledge of God. His omniscience, his all-knowingness is so profound that it's uh, it's beyond our ability. I, I, I mentioned earlier that for God, everything is an eternal now. There is never any past, present, or future in God's knowledge. Our knowledge is sequen- uh, sequential. We know one thing after another after another. Not God. With God, everything is one knowledge at one time, at any time. And thus, though we think that uh, we're teaching God something new in some terrible thing that we've done, or that uh, God is giving us, as we grow in our knowledge, the ability to become more and more like him. And believe me, that is the position that humanity has come to today. The idea that somehow we're omniscient. We have learned so much about this universe Hmm. It just pales into insignificance compared to what God knows. Mm. We will never, ever learn enough to be able to say, I know all God knows. God not only knows the present, he knows the past, he knows the future, he knows what could have been, what would have been, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of those things at the same time with no disability of, uh, of age <laughs> and forgetting things, and certainly no uh, disability of youth in not having learned things. Hmm. It's important for us to know that because as we think about the knowledge of God, there are some people today within the church who would like to teach that somehow God is still learning. They have a concept of God's omniscience that basically says that God knows certain things and there are other new things that he's learning along the way. And yet, is that the way the scriptures tell us God knows? Absolutely not. It's not only that God knows the names of all the stars he's created. God knows the doubts and the questions of the hearts of men. Even the Lord Jesus in his lifetime said it said of him, he knew the hearts of men. 
God knows all that's going on internally in our lives and all that's going on externally in the universe at the same time. And it's not a struggle at all. There's not an overheated circuit at all. Um, One thing you were talking about, the the temptation of Adam and Eve, it shows that Satan is a sequential learner as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that he's not God, that the, the whole idea of yin and yang, that there's two equal forces, yeah. that is not accurate. God's omniscience is above uh, all created beings. And so Satan tempted Eve with what he understood to be a temptation, right? Right, Because Satan wanted to be like God mm-hmm. and was then thrown out. And so then all that he knew was to say, you could be like God right. was a temptation. So he's cunning and he's crafty and he's powerful. Satan is, but he is not omniscient. No, he's not. Uh, whereas of the Lord, um, just to show some verses to back up what you're talking about, Psalm 147.5 says that his understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a, that's a, a, a brief statement of some of the words that we've talked about. But then to put that into practice, Psalm 139, even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you knew it all together. Yes. So um, he knows tomorrow already. We, we can react to the present and we can kind of plan for the future, but mm-hmm. we don't have any idea what's going on no. uh, tomorrow. And yet the Lord already knows those things. Um, and so that's where he, he's not caught off guard. He's not, uh, it's not just that he knows a lot of stuff and he continues to amass it. He already knows all those things. And it's, uh, it's overwhelming. So as we, as we consider his greatness, uh, it, it shoves us toward awe, which it should. But also as we think about the, uh, a Satan's power, it's limited there's a, there's a space there. there. Definitely <laughs> right? a limitation. There's, there's a yes. space there. And so we're not um, overwhelmed by Satan in the fact that he is God. He's not. That's right. right? And so I thought that in the, in the um, temptation account, I think it shows that he's tempting with what he knows to be tempting. Now he knows a lot more things yes, to be does. tempting. He has a lot more, a lot more experience. Experience. Um, but uh, at the time, that was what was tempting, was be like God. There's another perspective on this I'd like to throw in. Um, if you look at Jeremiah 10, 10 to 12, it's, uh, it, re- it reads like this. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. This establishing of the world by his wisdom is very important to us because it's one of those areas where we as humans frequently struggle. We'll see a disaster take place and think, well, did God know that was coming? Uh, Why didn't he do something about it? We'll see nations rise from evil and fall in their evil. We'll see uh, human beings who are uh, intent on killing other humans seemingly succeed. We find the wealthy behind the scenes 
supporting things, causing them to take place, uh, great uh, governments being raised up and then falling. And on all of this, we keep thinking, well, you know, this is, this is really something. This is incredible. These are, these are major changes. Does God know what's going on? And the answer is yes. Not only does he know what's going on, but he knows every aspect of every detail that is taking place in every part of the world and the universe at every moment so that he, the plan that he has established, he can accomplish even in the midst of all of this rise and fall and change and utterably, uh, inutterably incredible um, difficult circumstance, there is no, absolutely no change in God's knowledge of where this is going and how he's going to work it all out. Hmm. Right. It actually becomes, when you begin to understand this more, it, there's a, I always talk about this, people are comfortable in their level of Bible knowledge. And then as they understand more things, there's some frame in there where it becomes troublesome. You know, mm -hmm. because when you see that God is omniscient and he knows about suffering, right? Yes. What, what we would say, what we would classify as suffering, then you think, well, how can he, how can he know about that and allow it? How can he? And there's this troublesome yes. period that seemingly every believer, once they've grown in their real understanding of who God is, has to then address. And it becomes problematic in our, in our culture that God could know about what we would see as, as something terrible and allow that to take place. Right. Um, but uh, we don't know what else he knows. That's right. right. We don't know what else he knows. And um, we don't see... Um, so there's, there, are, there is sin in the world. There are, uh, there's free will for mankind, right? There's um, something could have been much worse than That's what right. happened, right? right? I mean, there, there there are desperately hard things that happen in oh, life. There's no yes. doubt about it. Oh, but yes. his omniscience doesn't um, have him going around cleaning up all the messes. That's not... That's not how that goes. No. Um, so it becomes difficult. So I, I think about omniscience. It does have to do with the mass of knowledge. So like the knowing the numbers of hairs on your head mm -hmm. for every person of all time. Right. You know, knowing the numbers of stars, which as you, un as you look into the universe, it's a big number. You he know? counts the number of the stars and he gives names to all of right. them. Psalm so there's a, there's a mass of knowledge, but then there is the time of knowledge, the, the infiniteness of his yes. knowledge and time, um, that it's both of those things. And it's a little overwhelming to try to actually put that together as we've been talking about different um, uh, statements about who God is. To try to put those really together in our understanding is difficult, but doesn't make them not true. Right. Um, this is one where it is non-communicable, right? We don't right. have omniscience. We That's don't. Right. But part of us being created in his image is that we have reason and we do mm -hmm. learn. We do take in information. Yes. Right. And so there, it, it is non-communicable because there's, there's no connection to omniscience. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, but reasoning um, is connected to that. Our, our being able to 
to our intellect. Yeah, yes. our, our intellect to mm-hmm. being there is part of that part of that uh, creation that I, I would believe is where uh, we're different from the animals, and that's where in the image of God has some of that has to do with that. So, um, omniscience is um, both comforting to know He knows all about what you're going through. And it's a little challenging at times when yes. there are hard things that go on in life, right? A little challenging to, to see well, how could how could he allow that? How could he know about that and allow that to take place? You know, a good verse to sort of wrap up that thought is First John three nineteen and twenty. We shall know by this that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him, in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Yeah, knows all things, right? And that the assurance that God knows the secrets of the heart is really helpful, even when we talk about those difficult things that take place, the sufferings that take place during uh, a human's lifetime. It's good to know that God knows the secrets of the heart, not only to know the things that we're thinking, but also to know the things that we're feeling, Right. to know the, the cries of the heart. Um, and to realize that God understands in the infinite knowledge that he has, he understands what that suffering is all about. In our lack of omniscience, we would like to know more about you. Yes. How's that for a segue? We'd like to know more about you. Uh, We'd like to hear from you of what... uh, what has impacted you, what, uh, what questions you have, um, uh, comments you might have. We would love to know more about that and uh, hear from you. So if you could leave a, a comment there, on, if you're on YouTube or a review, uh, if your podcast uh, source allows that, or if you would like us, please like us. But also you could email me anytime. Uh, again, my email is pd at crossbridgeindy.com. And uh, we would love to know a little bit about how these podcasts are helping you. Uh, we don't have omniscience, so we can't just know that without hearing from you. So we'd like to have that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we want to help you grow from where you are into a greater understanding of who God is, and uh, we can then be overwhelmed by his greatness, over overtaken by his greatness to give him glory in a fuller way. And so you choose to do that this week as you live.